again, just want to welcome you to Life Church. We hope that you enjoy the service this weekend. Uh, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm the executive pastor here, and it's my privilege to be able to begin a brand new series that we're, that's going to go uh, for the majority of the rest of the summer, and the series is called Tweets. And for those of you, I'm sure most of you are pretty familiar with the, the social networking phenomenon known as Twitter. I just show hands here at the West Campus. How many of you, you have a Twitter account and you're proud to throw up your hand and say that that's me, okay? So a lot of you are, are pretty familiar with that world. If you don't have a Twitter account, you've probably heard of Twitter, you know a little bit about it, but I don't want to make any assumptions this evening. And so I give you a little bit of a working definition. This is the best one that I uh, could come up with. But Twitter is a website owned and operated by, by Twitter Incorporated, which offers a social networking and microblogging service, enabling its users to send and read messages called tweets. Uh, tweets are text-based posts of up to 140 characters displayed on the user's profile page. Now, if you're still confused, just raise, no, you don't need to raise your hand uh, today, but Twitter's one of those things that it's, it, it, you don't fully have a grasp of it until you kind of just experience it and kind of participate it, in it as well. Um, statistics tell us that there are over 200 million uh, Twitter users in the world and close to 190 million tweets are sent out every single day. Now, luckily, you don't have to have a Twitter account or even be too familiar with Twitter to understand what we're talking about throughout the course of this series. Quite simply, um, Twitter and, and tweets, this series, is going to be all about um, the communicator, whoever that is, and it's going to be uh, you know, a different person throughout the course of the summer. Pastor Aaron will be in, in, in the mix as well. And it, it's the communica communicator being able to tell a little bit of their thoughts, things that God has downloaded into their heart and be able to share them. None of these messages are going to have anything to do with each other. It don't try to, there, there's not like a common theme. We know that a lot of people out and about in the summer. And so we, we just have, man, each message is kind of its own little sermon all by itself, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. If you are still, if you're interested in, in getting a Twitter account, we actually want to help you do that. And so in the foyer, whether it's Germantown or West Campus, you can go out to the foyer after the service this weekend, and there are interns there with a little blue shirt, little tag on that says tweets, and they'll set up an account for you. And some of you are like, that's just what I wanted. That's just what I've always needed. But seriously, if you have questions or, or, or want, are interested in starting an account, um, you can go out there and they can answer any questions that you might have and show, show you Twitter in action. Um, my tweet this weekend, and if, if I don't stick to 140 characters, please forgive me. And those of you who know a little about, a bit about Twitter know what I'm talking about. But my tweet this weekend is simply this. I am very, very tired of excuses, and I'm tired of, of excuses in my own life. I'm tired of excuses in people around me that I hear, and way too often I see people's full potential in Christ never being met because of excuses that they make. I think it's the number one thing that robs people of that full potential that God has for them is making Excuses. I think we live in a, in a world that's very full of excuses. In fact, um, I remember back in 
When I was in high school, I worked at Kinko's, and I was so cool, had a little you know, shirt that said Kinko's. Now Kinko's doesn't even exist. It's FedEx office. That was a sad day. But uh, anyway, I was, I was working, and there was a lady who came in who's probably, I'd say she was probably 75 years old, and she comes in, and, and we had a, like a self-service area that's kind of high-tech with credit card swiping and all of that. And so I'm just keeping an eye on her because, you know, I want to be able to, it was kind of a, a dead day and just lend a hand where where need be, and I'm just keeping an eye on, on her a little bit, and pretty soon I start to see a little bit of smoke start to fill right above her, and I'm like, did, did she start smoking? You know, what, what in the world is this? So I go over to her, and sure enough, the copier is, there, there's just smoke pouring out of it. I'm like, that's, that's not good, and so first, first thing I do, I just turn it off, unplug it, and I say, ma'am, you know, what's going on? I, I open one of the drawers because I'm like, she must have put something in there or something like that or something happened. And sure enough, inside one of the what was supposed to be paper drawers, there was a stack of pieces of fabric in there, about, you know, eight by eight. And uh, there are pieces of fabric just laying in there. And I open up the machine and there's melted fabric all over the fuser, and it's like smoking everywhere. Uh, many parts of the machine, I can tell, are, are totally destroyed. And I just say, ma'am, what were you trying to do um, with, with the copier? And she said, she's making a quilt. Thought it would be a lot easier than have to embroider every piece that she could just print right on there. I, I didn't ask her, but I wanted to know if maybe she thought they would actually the machine's embroidered too. I, I, I don't know, but she was trying to do this, and I'm like, ma'am, uh, you can't, you can't, and she wanted to keep doing it. She wanted to try a different machine, and I'm like, no, 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 please, you can't do that. You just destroyed uh, this very expensive piece of equipment. Don't, don't do it again, and she kept um, asking questions, and I'm like, ma'am, we, we can't do that, and she said to me, I'll never forget this line. It was so, it was just funny at the moment. She said, well, there's no sign telling me I can't put fabric in the machine. And I wanted to say, I didn't, but I wanted to say, well, there's no sign telling you that if you have to go to the bathroom that there's a toilet in the back, don't go in the garbage can. You know, like there's, there's no sign that says don't, don't bring fireworks into, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that are just kind of assumed that you just don't do that. And, uh, but her first line of defense went to making excuses. Well, nobody told me that. There's no sign that says that. So, you know, it's, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. We tend to be a very much an excuse-making society. Uh, it's no wonder that 75% of all New Year's resolutions are completely done by February 15th. Six weeks in, only one-fourth of people are still hanging in there strong with their New Year's resolution. I'm not going to have a show of hands, but maybe you had a New Year's re resolution. We're halfway through the year now, which is hard to believe. We're, we're just about halfway through 2011. I wonder how many New Year's resolutions are still going on, and many of them end because of excuses. I, I wanted to lose weight, but man, I just like Twinkies. I just can't stop. I, just, I, I don't know, or I just don't like working out, or I don't like doing that. I wanted to get out of debt, but... The economy is just bad right now, and so, you know what, we'll just, we'll do that next year, or I wanted to do this or that, I wanted to start this business, or I wanted to do this ministry opportunity, but things got crazy, and with kids, and whatever the excuse might be, it's very, very easy 
uh, to make excuses. And I, you know what? I, I don't think as Christ followers, the question is what we are supposed to do or what we aren't supposed to do. I, I feel that many people in this room, you know what it is, either, either morally or just what God has for you. A lot of times you kind of have a pretty good idea what you should do or what you shouldn't do. That's not necessarily, I think, the, the question we're going to try to debate tonight. The, 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 the problem that I often see is, is too often we allow excuses to get in the way of what God wants to do. And as soon as you decide to be different and as soon as you decide to do something that God's put in your heart, Satan will give you every excuse in the book to remain the same. God wants the, your, the very best for us, but often we settle for less because of making excuses. Jesus himself, he uh, understood this, this principle and he taught a parable. I'm going to kind of hit it real quick because this isn't the main text we're going to look at tonight. But in Luke chapter 14, he says this, he says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So they're throwing this big banquet. It's a, kind of an honor to be invited. And these guys are invited, and they say, but they make all, but they all like began to make excuses. And then they go on, and Jesus talks about the excuses that they made. One guy, he bought a field, and he says, I got to go check out my field that I bought. Okay, kind of, a, kind of a lame excuse. Usually you check something out before you buy it, but he's like, I got to go check this out. I got something I got to do. Another guy says, I, I have these oxen that I just bought, and I need to uh, check them out. I need to give, give them a little test spin here, you know, test drive. I don't know what that all involves, but I just imagine it doesn't smell good. That's all, the only thing my mind goes to is with oxen, whatever. But there's a third guy who, who says, I just got married, and so you know how it goes, and family and all that. I can't go to the banquet. They make up all these excuses. Today is a day that I hope, I hope to encourage you today, and I hope that today will be a day that we can end excuses. Whatever particular area, and we'll get to it in just a minute, you might be trying to, uh, that you feel like God is, is pushing you towards, to, to, to eliminate the excuses today and stop allowing our earthly excuses to undermine God's ultimate and, and intimate power before we get to uh, the, the main text today, I know that this is a very broad subject, and so the application of today's message is going to be very different for every person in this room. And so I want to ask you two questions, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you, jot this down. If you have a, a maybe you take notes on your phone or iPad, whatever it might be, I encourage you to actually write this down, because I have a couple of questions for you. The first one is this, what's one thing God wants to be different about your life? What's one thing God wants to be different about your life? Now, actually, take, take a minute, think about it a little bit. A lot of times, you can probably think of something. It might be, man, I, I got to be a better husband or a better wife, or I want to be a better parent, and I need to learn how to be a little bit more patient, or um, it might be an addiction or a habit that you need to, to break. It might, be, it might be losing weight and getting in shape. It might be getting out of debt or getting your finances in order. I don't, those are just a few examples, whatever it might be. What is one thing or, that God wants you to do or God wants you to change about your life? And the second question, I think this will give us a good context for the message. The second question is, why does God want this part of your life to be different? Why does God want you to do this? And I think too often we, we know what the first question is, but the second question will often 
is where a lot of the power is. Why does God want this area of your life to be different? Because I think when you connect the what with the why, that a God intention is birthed, that, that something, um, it, it turns from just being a good intention to a God intention. Let me give you some examples. If, if what you think, it, it, what you wrote down for question number one is, man, I want to get out of debt, I need to get my finances in order, in the midst of this economy, I need to, to, to you know, get a few things lined up right. And I ask you, well, why do you want to get out of debt? And you said, well, that's not a good thing, and I kind of want a new truck or a motorcycle, and it'd be kind of nice to have a little extra money or, you know, whatever it might be. I would tell you, no, 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 that's, that's your reason that you want to get out of debt. What's God's reason? Well, God's reason would be that he's given you everything that you have, and he wants you to steward everything that you have to your very best ability. That's the God reason. There's a new motivation. There's a new layer of motivation when you're doing it for God's reasons rather than for your own. If it's, man, it might be getting in shape, losing weight, you know, something physical like that, and I ask you, well, why do you want to do that? Well, it's summertime, and I want to be looking good, and you know, all, that, I'd say, no, no, no that's, a, that's, a, that's your reason. What's God's reason? Well, God's reason is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that you, you're, you're supposed to steward it and take care of it the very best way that you know how. So though, when you unlock the God reason behind, um, behind what it is that you need to do, I think there's a whole new layer of motivation that is there. When you connect the what and the why, a God intention is birth. The good news today is you take kind of those two questions as a framework for, for what we're going to, God, God gives us an answer to how to accomplish that. The, the question number one, what is it that God wants to see different about your life? He gives us an answer, a very clear pattern in scripture to say, this is how you do this. In Exodus chapter four, if you take a minute to turn there in your Bibles, Exodus chapter four, God is talking to Moses and he sees a problem, God sees a problem, that the Israelites are in captivity, in slavery, in Egypt. And it's not right. And so he goes to Moses and says, I need you. You're the guy that is going uh, to, to take the slaves out of a captivity, out of slavery, and deliver them to the promised land. You're the guy that I'm going to use to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. You're my man. And... Um, and Moses is thinking, well, eh, I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job. I don't think I'm the guy that you want leading these people out of Egypt. And he gives a lot of excuses kind of uh, in chapter 4 up until uh, verse 10. But we're going to pick it up in verse 10 of chapter 4 of Exodus. He says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. He kind of interrupts God a little bit. And he says, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. It's basically telling them, God, I, I got a little bit of a speech impediment, whatever it might be, and I'm not very good at speaking in front of people, and I get really nervous, and I know that I'm going to be called upon to talk in front of people. This is not going to work. You're going to have to find somebody else for the job. He continues uh, in, in verse 11, The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Kind of a rhetorical question. Uh, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He kind of tells Moses, hey, hold on a second. Who has total control over this whole thing? It's not you, it, it, it's me. So do you think for a second 
that if I've called you to do something, I'm not going to equip you to do it, that I'm just going to leave you hanging and, and you've got to go figure it out. It's basically what he's communicating to Moses. And then in verse 12, he says this, and this is kind of where we're going to get our, our, our two things from tonight. He says, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God gives Moses a couple of things, and we're just going to go through them here uh, this weekend. First of all, he says go. The first thing is go. He, that's the first thing that he tells Moses to do. No, 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 it's not you need to go take some classes and, and maybe become a little bit better public speaker and get some training under your belt, and maybe I could have you a uh, little bit of an internship, and I'm not bashing those things. I'm not saying that those are bad things, but he doesn't say that. He just says, just go. You're prepared. I'll equip you. Just go. I have a, a, a friend who I speak with, uh, you know, occasionally, and it seems like every time I speak to him, there's something that um, he's, he's, he's always waiting on the Lord for something. He's like, well, I'm just kind of waiting for the right timing, and I'm, you know, and I understand that there's, there's, there's times like that. But I think too often that can become a little bit of a, a cop-out to say, well, I'm just waiting kind of for things to line up just right and everything to, to just be perfect for this opportunity. And I'm just waiting for the right person to call me, offer me a job, and I'm just waiting for all these things to line up. And I remember um, a few months ago having a very straightforward conversation with him and just saying, man, I just got to tell you, you just need to go do something. You just need to... You just need to Stop making all the excuses of, of all these other circumstances, and you just need to go and make it happen and do what God has put in your heart to do. Stop waiting for the perfect opportunity because it's not going to be there. It's, it's never going to be a perfect opportunity to do something. Just go and do it, make it happen. I believe that delayed obedience is disobedience, that waiting for the right timing is actually disobeying what God is calling us to do. I think more often than not, God is just telling us straight up, just go. Now, don't get me wrong, there's, there's seasons where you need to wait on something. There's seasons where it's, okay, let's just press pause for a minute. But I think most of the time, God operates very much how he, he does here in Scripture to Moses. And he just says, go, make it happen. If, it's, if tonight it's Losing weight, I'm just using it as an example. It's something that kind of translates well uh, to this circumstance. But maybe it's, it's losing weight. It's getting in shape. It, it, it's, it's something physical. It's, it, it's making a change in, in a habit or something like that. And then I tell you, you know what? Get on the treadmill. Go sign up at Sneakers. Get a membership. Throw the tink Twinkies away or give them to me, which, whichever one you prefer. I don't, I'll take them. I like Twinkies. But just start. Go somewhere, do something. If it's uh, getting out of debt, if it's, it's f a financial matter, I know in the midst of this economy, there are a lot of people, man, that this is a big concern. If it's getting out of debt, it's getting finances in order, I'd say start today. What can you do today? Do what you can do. There's certain things that you can't do, but do what you can do. If it's starting, a, a, maybe God has spoken to you about a ministry, I... Um, of somebody I'm pretty close to that God's speaking to him to, to start a ministry. And finally, he just said, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I don't know where I'm going to go, what, how it's all going to look. I don't know what the next step even looks like. All I know is that I'm supposed to just go and start somewhere. 
Just go. The second thing that, that, that God tells Moses is this. God will help you. He says, Moses, I'll help you. Trust God to do what you cannot do. Trust God to do, or trust, um, do what you can do, but trust God to do what you cannot do. There's certain things that you have no control over, and you need to trust God that he will do what he can do. He tells Moses, I will help you speak and teach you what to stay. Just recently, I was on uh, vacation, a little family vacation, and we were swimming, and um, it, which is funny, it was the, the, the we, we went to the Grand Canyon, and we saw all these cool, we went to Sedona, and we saw all these cool things, and we had a good time, and I asked my daughter, May, who just turned three, I said, what was your favorite part? And she said, swimming, okay? That, I'm like, well, we could have just gotten a hotel in Milwaukee and gone swimming or gone to the YMCA, if that's really all that, I mean, but that was like, that was the big highlight <laughs> of the trip. In fact, we're driving through all this mountain scenery, and I'm like, man, May, look at all of this. Look at God's creation. Isn't this incredible? And she's like, just doesn't care. She's like, what, are we going to go swimming later? Are we going to do it? So anyway, it's just, it's just funny. Um, I'm in awe of it, and swimming is like, you know, last thing on my mind. But she, we were swimming, and she's got this rigged up flotation device that, man, it probably would have held me, you know, above water. It had so many layers on it. It was like a full body suit. She looked like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. But she's standing at the edge of the pool, and she's going to jump in, but she's af- afraid. And she's telling me, well, the water might be really cold, and what if it's too deep, and what if I go under, and all she's giving me all these excuses. I'm like, May, just, just jump in. Just, just jump in. Trust me, I'm here. And most parents, you've gone through this before. Just trust me, I'm here jump in. I'll make sure you don't go under. I'll make sure that everything's okay. If it's too cold and you want to get out, we'll just get out. It'll be fine. No big deal. And finally, you know, she just jumps off and and does this whole thing. But God's not going to, you know, I could have just swiped her feet out from underneath her and been a horrible father or just, you know, yanked her in and, and, and forced her to do it. And God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't. He says, you know, you need to take the first step. You need to jump in. Don't be so concerned about how deep it is. Don't be co- I know you have all these questions. Trust me. I know there's a lot of questions. Just jump in and I will help you. I will help you. I, I, I remember back in high school when I was, uh, I've told the story before, but never this portion of it. I've never talked about it before, but uh, I remember when I was, I, I really strongly felt like God was t- calling me into full-time vocational ministry. I just knew it. It was one of, one of the few moments in my life where I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I just, I just know it. It was one of those, those times. And, but I remember early on, I was like, God, I, I just got to tell you, very much like Moses, I can resonate a ton with this scripture, is I'm not a good speaker. In fact, I'm horrible at it. And at the time, I remember um, preaching in my youth group, and I had like a little five-minute sermon that I was supposed to do. And it was awful. Like, it was... I'm not saying, like, looking back, I looked at my notes a a little while ago from it. I'm like, what was I even thinking? What was I even talking about? That made no sense. And I remember getting so, I would get so nervous in front of people that I couldn't even talk. Like, I would stumble over words. My nervous reaction is a dry mouth, and so I, I I can't even get a word out. 
I'd get such bad butterflies that it would be like I, I was constantly out of breath. I remember being in, in um, I entered a con- little competition thing called Fine Arts Festival that some of you are probably familiar with, but it's kind of a, a Christian-based competition where you do things like there's singing categories and there's all, there's all sorts of different categories, but one of them was, was preaching. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm supposed to be a preacher. I better at least try this thing out, you know, give it a test drive. And so I delivered this message. I felt good about it, um, got real nervous, and it, was, it just bombed. I mean, I just knew it was, it was bad news. And, and the judges agreed with me that it was, it was bad. And I got a very, like, one of the lowest grades that you can get on, on you know, any of the competition-type things. And I remember just being like, God, why, why did you call me to do this? I know I'm going to have to preach. Why would you ever? I'm just so bad at this. I remember getting into college, and it didn't get much better. I remember just public speaking class, just awful. Like, just, I, I'm, I was always a really good student, but that was an area I was like, I can't, I, I'm awful at this. I can't, I'm nervous. I'm so nervous I can't get a word out. And I remember just being absolutely dejected. And I, I remember praying and actually saying, God, I'm not doing this. I know, man, I feel like you called me, but I'm not doing this. I'm not going to embarrass myself time and time again. I remember God just saying, God, Ryan, I've called you to do it. Just go. Just continue doing it. Just continue trying. And I remember going on kind of a a little bit of a a rampage where I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this if it kills me. If I just get embarrassed every single time, I'm going to do it. And I preached probably a hundred times my, my sophomore through senior years of, of college, and probably well over that, and, and I just preached at any single opportunity that I had. And I remember sitting in my, um, it was called my homiletics class, which is like a, you know, a preaching class. I remember on the final day, it was, it was my senior year, uh, and the teacher just went on and on and, and sang my praises and, and, and said what a good job I did. I got the highest grade in the entire class. I remember just um, feeling like, okay, God, you finally, and I, I don't think I'm some great public speaker, but I, I'm going to tell you, somewhere in that mix, God totally eliminated nerves. God totally eliminated um, some of the weaknesses that I had. In fact, I don't get a single butterfly when, if, I, if I public speak ever. I, it's just, I don't know what happened, but God just eliminated those fears. He made me stronger, and I'm telling you that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he will help you. Just as he says in his word to Moses, I'll help you. I'll tell you what to say. I'll tell you what to do. Just trust me. Jump in the deep end and I will take care of the rest. If you take the first step, God will help you. It's almost as if he's implying here that if you don't take the first step, if you don't go as I've called you to do and you just expect me to help you, I'm not going to help you. You have to take the first step. You have to go. You have to initiate it and then I will help you. If, uh, if what you're dealing with today, whatever you wrote on that piece of paper or on your phone or whatever it might have been of what it is that you want to see different, man, if it's get in shape, <laughs> you know, if it's something like along those lines, I'm telling you, God can help you and he will help you. He created your body. He created you. He knows and, and he'll help you. If it's, a financial matter, maybe it's a job or, uh, or whatever it might be. I'm telling you, God will help you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he can and will help you. 
if it's, man, just the right opportunity to come along in a ministry opportunity or it's starting a business or something like that, God can open the right doors and close the wrong ones. He can and will help you. If it's an addiction, if it's something that, man, you, you're saying, Ryan, I have dealt with this for years. It might be something, a sinful addiction. It might be something that you're just like, this is too big for me. I've dealt with this for years, and I'm telling you, Ryan, I cannot break this. And I'm telling you, you can't break it, but God can. I love what God says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He says, Awe, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you trust God today that he will help you, that he can and he will help you? The good news, and I, I want to kind of close with this today. The good news is that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have this whole thing figured out. All you, have to be do, all you have to do is be willing to take the first step. All you have to do is be willing to just go. And I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 10. This is out of the message translation. I think it really, um, it just really talks pretty straightforward. And it says this, Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, uh, was push me to my knees. No danger, then, of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, you can fill in the blank there in your own life. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. When we have God on our side, he, he has a tendency to redeem our limitations. And there's no reason to make an excuse. If we will just go, then God will help us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this weekend that in the midst of our weakness that you are made strong. And we thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to have it all figured out. That in Scripture, just as you spoke to Moses thousands of years ago, that you're speaking to our hearts tonight. This weekend, Lord, we, we thank you for the words that you spoke to Moses. We thank you that all we have to do is take the next step. All we have to do is go and be willing. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be perfect. That you will help us. We thank you, Lord God, and tonight, today, we make a commitment. If it's something, if it's an addiction that we've been trying to break for years, if it's a, a step that we, we need to take that we know that you're calling us to do, if it's something just as simple as uh, uh, starting a healthy habit, whether it's uh, spending more time with you in, in reading your word and praying, Lord God, I pray that we would take that step that we would stop making excuses for why we never do that, that we would stop all the excuses today and we would start freshly. 
We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.